And all of those years, Daniel was useful to God. And as we get into the great events of interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, telling Belshazzar the writing on the wall that no one else could interpret or translate, and how he was the instrument that Cyrus would let the children of Israel go back to Jerusalem again. What a wonderful blessing the long life of Daniel was. This gives hope to grandparents tonight. Our work is not done. It's not just when we're still in school or we're green, but when we are gray-haired, when we are aged, God can still use us. And there might just be someone who has a question that your life can answer and be God's instrument to guide them into the truth. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, and I appreciate you joining with us as we open the Word of God and minister to you the Scriptures of Truth. We're coming to the book of Daniel today. This is an amazing story of young men that were taken off to a foreign culture, and yet they would not bow, they would not bend, and they would not burn. I want to read to you the opening verses here in Daniel chapter 1 as we get a gist of where these young men were coming from and what they were standing for. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, and of the king's seed, and of the princes." children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love, 
with the Prince of the Eunuchs. And they will end our Bible reading in Daniel chapter 1 as we get introduced to this amazing story of Daniel. Daniel, the man who was braveheart, he was able to stand up when all the odds were fixed against him. And from this account, we draw lessons. We apply this stand to our own heart, to our own lives, in our own day and generation. These are days of compromise in the 21st century. These are days of great departure from historic Christianity and from the commandments of God's will. And so we are called to stand. We are called to stand up for the Lord Jesus, stand up for his word, and to stand up against the madness of the vices of this culture in which we are living today. What madness it is. It's contrary to science, contrary to history. It's contrary to uh, common sense. It's contrary to the uh, values of uh, marriage and contrary to the light that God has given us. And it seems that men have blinded themselves to go on in the ways of darkness. But I trust that you will set yourself and be a man or woman of purpose to stand up for the Lord Jesus and for the gospel and be unashamed. The Lord Jesus said that he that confesses me before men I will confess him before my Father which is in heaven. And so, this is the call to the Christian. And I trust that you'll stay tuned and listen intently to this message on Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. May the Lord speak to your heart today through his word but they couldn't change their hearts because Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or wine, nor the heathen ways of Chaldea. Now tonight, if you're going to be useful to God, if you're going to do anything for God, you need to be purposed in your heart that you are going to be a separatist. A separatist, by the way, is a Bible word. Indeed, it's a Bible doctrine. There is ecclesiastical separation, which is the church separating from error. But there's also personal separation, where you as an individual desire to live pure, godly, upright, that, a, that you may have a testimony for Christ. And you will not do certain things. You will not go to certain places. You will not talk like the world nor live like the world because you have purposed in your heart that you will not defile yourself. Now that's the personal separation that you need if God is going to make you useful in his kingdom work. And if you're saying tonight, I don't like that strict way of living, I don't like this holiness. I want to just float along and let the world cause me to drift where it will. Well, let me tell you now, you'll never do anything for God because God uses 
young men and women older too, who are purposed in their heart that they will not defile themselves. Now their food was changed, the king's meat and wine. We're not told what was wrong with the meat. It may have been just too rich. It may have made them too fat over time. And they decided, we're not going to eat that. Please give us pulse, which is merely vegetables, something that is, that is earth-grown. And this was their request. Now, they were to be, uh, in the king's agenda, to be converted by spoiling. It's like going to your granny's for supper. And, of course, you go along there, and she doesn't give you the healthy food. You get that at home. But when you go to granny's house, you're going to be spoiled, and you'll get all the wrong foods that gives you a tummy ache on the way home again. And because she just wants to spoil you, that you will lavish her with all the more love. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to ruin these young men from their healthy Hebrew ways and feed them on a new diet, but they weren't going to have it. And if Daniel had done all that he was called to, to do, he would have melted into a Chaldean. And if you do all that the world wants you to do, you will never stand up for God. Mr. Spurgeon, and yes, I have read one of his sermons on this chapter to help me to get to a handle on how to preach this. But he talked about uh, a man that was very well-to-do, and he was in charge of a large family's estate. And the family had grown up, but he was still for many years the financial manager of this family's estate. Mr. Spurgeon asked him, how did you come to get this job, this very responsible job of looking after the family's uh, riches and finances? And he told a story that when he was a young man working in an office to the senior family member who was now dead, there was a time when he asked him to tell a lie when he was writing in the ledger that he was, he was asked to say that he was out. Money was obviously missing, and he was asked to tell a lie, but he refused. He wouldn't do it, and he was not late for that. But when that family were looking for someone well-suited, capable to manage their finances, they looked for someone of upright integrity, and he got the job. And because he took his stand, because he was not willing to give in to doing wrong, God blessed him for it, and he was made useful. And that will be true in our lives as well. If you are crooked, if you are dishonest, if you do not stand and go against the ways of this world, we'll tell you, oh, it's only a little thing. They will tell you it's nothing. But if you do not take a stand for what's right and good, you cannot be trusted in anything at all. So at all costs, stand up for truth and righteousness.
And you're going to see this all the way through the life of Daniel. How often he was begged to compromise, but he wouldn't do it. And for that, he was thrown into the den of lions, but he wouldn't compromise. And God blessed him for it. Thirdly, Daniel was graceful when proven. You remember how he said to Melzar, uh, the leader of the school of the eunuchs, he said, prove us 10 days. Don't give us that king's meat to eat. Just bring us the pulse and see after 10 days if we be uh, as fair and healthy looking or not. Now, you'll notice he didn't protest publicly. He didn't go on hunger strike. He didn't say he wouldn't eat any food. He was reasonable. And he was very careful to bend Melzar's ear privately. He was graceful in seeking to work out a way ahead. Christians are not to fight everything. You don't want your life to be full of venom and grit. You don't want to be an obnoxious character because you say no to this and that and the other thing. And some people think that if you're going to be a Christian and you say no to booze, no to drugs, no to dancing, no to the world, that you're going to be a negative person. Well, Daniel was not a negative person. He was winning. And when he spoke to Melzar, he brought a solution. He said, we're not going to eat the king's meat, but here's another way. And a Christian should be a solution maker. You shouldn't just merely bring your opposite opinion, but you should bring the resolution. And that's how Daniel took his stand for the Lord. I would that all Christians were more careful in proving that they are willing to deny themselves. Now, you'll notice this about Daniel. He didn't go and protest and say, I don't like that food, I want better. No, this was an act of denying self from luxurious food to very plain food. And when you're willing to deny yourself, that's the mark of a Christian. When you're willing to put the Lord first, others second, and yourself last, that's the mark of a Christian. That's what we're called to do. Young person, learn this lesson well tonight. It will stand to you all of your life. I've seen too many people huff and puff about little losses, and they ended up losing everything because they got into a bad state of mind and heart over really a trivial thing, and they lost out. Don't let that happen to you. Be graceful in taking your stand, whether you're dealing with the ungodly or dealing with your fellow believers in the Lord Jesus or your family. Another thing, Daniel and his friends were governed by wisdom. Look at verse 17. They had a gift from God, and you'll see how that develops here. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge. That's the best education ever. You can't get that in Bible school. You can't get that in university. You can't get that 
at the great learning centers of the world, here is God-given knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And you know, wisdom is a gift. Every Christian should have it, and every Christian that doesn't should be praying for it. Indeed, we all pray for it, because as the Solomon said, with all thy getting, get wisdom. And it is the gift of the Holy Spirit to teach Christians what I'm going to call tonight so that you'll remember it, good old normal horse sense, common sense. The Christian should be the wisest and the most common sense person that you'll ever meet. If you're a fool, if you're full of stupidity and risk-taking and joking around and they don't know whether you're saying the truth or not saying the truth, then you're not going to do much for God. Now, in the book of Proverbs, let's go to that just together. I think it's time for a little bit of Bible time. And we'll go back to Proverbs 1 and verse 23. And it says, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will make known my words unto you. Now, did you notice something there? Turn at my reproof. Here's God teaching. And he says, I will pour my spirit upon you. We've been learning on Sunday mornings that the Holy Spirit is the believer's teacher. He's our guide. And you need to be a young man or woman who is spirit-filled that you may be spirit-taught. And I trust that is what you're praying for. Now on down in chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searcheth for her as for a hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity Yea, every good path. How plain it is. And if you are to be useful to God, you need to love wisdom. You need to pray that God will impart to you by his spirit, knowledge, understanding, and skill in his word. Because wisdom is the principal thing. And that's what will make you a good scholar, a good employee, a good manager, a good boss. That's what will make you useful in the Lord's kingdom. 
maybe as a deacon or an elder or a missionary or a pastor, wisdom. I don't think anyone came here tonight to listen to a fool. You would like to think that any man that's up preaching from the Bible has something of the wisdom of God. Without that, we would have no ministry. That's why we pray for pastors and preachers, for Sunday school teachers. That's why we pray for parents, that as they gather their children and open the Bible and teach them God's word, that God by his spirit will impart to those young minds and hearts knowledge that comes from God. Are you doing that? Daniel was doing that. He had a gift given by God. Now back to Daniel 1, and my time is almost gone, but I have a final reason why Daniel was useful to God, because Daniel was granted a long life of godliness. We'll go right to the last verse of the chapter, and Daniel continued. Isn't that wonderful? He continued unto the first year of King Cyrus. Now, when you do the history, you will find there was King Nebuchadnezzar, then there was Belshazzar, then there was Darius, and then Cyrus. And Daniel was an advisor to each of them. Now, some commentators say that Daniel lived to the age of 94. I've tried to do my math on this, and I can't get it. You do remember that that deportation, when Daniel was a young man, took place in the year 606. Well, Cyrus came to the throne in Chaldea, conquered Chaldea, in 539. And then Daniel continued to the first year. Now, let's suppose that Daniel was 20 years old when he was taken as a young man from Jerusalem. Might have been a little younger, might have been a little older. But if you start at 20 years old at 606, and he witnessed and advised King Cyrus at least into the first full year of Cyrus' reign, you get 84. And I have all the math out in front of me here, but I'm not going to start into all these figures. 84, I calculate. And all of those years, Daniel was useful to God. And as we get into the great events of interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, telling Belshazzar the writing on the wall that no one else could interpret or translate, and how he was the instrument that Cyrus would let the children of Israel go back to Jerusalem again. What a wonderful blessing the long life of Daniel was. This gives hope to grandparents tonight. Our work is not done. It's not just when we're still in school or we're green, but when we are gray-haired, when we are aged, God can still use us. And there might just be someone who has a question that your life can answer and be God's instrument to guide them into the truth. And that steadfast, keeping going attitude of Daniel, I like those words, and Daniel continued. 
Are you willing to do that tonight? Or are you saying, I've served the Lord long enough? I'm quitting. I'm not going to step out and risk my neck ever again as a witness for Christ. No, we read here of Daniel that he continued. And each one of us ought to continue as the Lord gives us health and breath and time that we might serve him. So grandparents, we have a work to do. Our job is not done yet. And may the Lord make us useful in his kingdom as he did with his servant, Daniel. I wish tonight that we could sing that hymn, Dare to be a Daniel. Maybe somehow we'll figure it out. We'll go outside sometime. And we'll grab a hymn book and we'll sing out in the open air and we'll sing such a hymn. But may the Lord make you a Daniel tonight in your heart and in your life and testimony and that you'll keep going on serving the Lord. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher. I want us to just revisit that matter of self-denial. This is real Christianity and very often the missing ingredient in Christianity today. And I want to just ask you, are you exercising self-denial? Is that one of the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Meekness? that you are willing to put God first, others second, and yourself last. That is a, a very necessary test of our personal growth in grace. Grace makes the Christian humble. The way up with God is down. Our Lord Jesus entered into a state of humiliation. He left heaven's glory. He took upon him the form of a servant, denying himself. And we are called to have the mind of Christ. Now, that is really going to change you. Now, let me ask you, are you praying for self-denial in your own life? Are you praying that you are able, by God's grace, to put others first and put the Lord in the central place of your life. That's what Christianity is about. Now, in this culture where we are living, where we have the ungodly parading their sin and their wicked ways, we are called to take up the cross and follow the Lord. I trust that you will do that today. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 187- 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. <music>